Hello, everyone, and welcome to the seventh episode of the Baby Backs Banter Podcast. Baby Backs Banter Podcast. Please like and subscribe. Leave a comment. <laughs> It'd really help us. Yeah, that was good. Thanks, Michael. I hope you're feeling better today after we, we missed our first uh, of our schedule, but I think we'll be back on Monday next week. I think I just pull up us in YouTube so I can see chat. Yeah, I've been battling a cold this week, but I've been feeling much better today. So we're going to go ahead and do this podcast so that way we don't leave you guys missing for an entire two, maybe even three weeks, depending on how next week goes. Um, I'm like, where is our channel on my, my laptop? Well, I had it up, and then I had uh, audio feedback. I obviously, didn't yeah, I did. into the thing. So anyway, judged by the uh, title of this podcast, we're talking about the core four, or the top four prospects in the system, Corbin Carroll, Jordan Lawler, Brandon Fott, and Drew Jones. We're going to give you an update on how these guys are doing, obviously. Corbin Carroll has been off to a scintillating start. Hitting 292 with, with 324 on base percentage, 554 slugging typo on the. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, there's a typo down here, but if you're listening to it, there's no dot before the 554 slugging. So. I don't think that many people care about that kind of typo, <laughs> Michael. Um, uh, and Corbin Carroll's finally drawing walks. Yeah. That's the big one. Like, he finally is drawing walks. Yeah, four home runs, seven steals, and he's 30. If you look at the right, no. Um, and a 130 WRC plus basically means he is 30% better than the average big league hitter would perform in the same situations. Yeah, I think that's WRC plus. If uh, you're not familiar with it, like you're listening to this, it's uh, that or OPS plus really, or just a great benchmark of like, you have no idea because numbers, the, the context changes from season to season. So like last season, we had a really, really down offensive year. A number numbers that may not look impressive, maybe much more impressive than you think. This isn't like 90 baseball anymore where you have a guy hitting like 330 and 40 home runs, things like that. Like, so you need contacts and the 130 RC plus from a rookie um, with like that already that many steals is like really like he's killing it. I haven't uh, looked at his uh, his competition. Um, Fortunately, Fangrass can allow us to look at it somewhat. Jordan Walker. Yeah, Walker's gotten off to a slow start. I I read on CBS that his, he's got a very ground ball heavy um, bad ball tendency despite being a big lumbering. Well, he was, he's not lumbering, but a big slugger. He's athletic. <laughs> yeah, he's not lumbering. He's, he's got football athleticism, but he, but every uh, NFL defensive back is happy that he's playing baseball instead. Oh, absolutely. He's a big guy. He's, uh, yeah, he's off to a slow start. His WRC plus is only 84. So, um, I don't know about the other rookies this year, but, uh, Corbin Carroll, I think is like back as like, you know, front of the pack so far in terms of rookie performances. James Outman leads major league baseball in, I mean, leads all major league rookies in war There's a 169 WRC plus with the Dodgers. So we have, 
So with the National League in mind, that's the guy that's in front right now. And then you can make an argument Carroll's second. Up to this point, it's kind of right there with Steer. Steer, obviously a better bat, but Carroll, better defender. If you go by oh, Fangrass oh. Valley. Almanzan. He actually, this could be very real, real, very real breakout for him. If you look at his minor league numbers, he's been above average at minimum every single season in the minors. Um, hold that up. I mean, I don't, I don't see a single year from him that like is uh, a poor performance. Um, he had the lowest, the lowest WRC plus Outman had was one ten. In 2018, in his professional debut, then 113, and since then he's put up at least a 136 WRC plus. And last season, in okay, that's like no, enough bats is that. This is a 288 WRC plus, and there's no way that's like uh, a legitimate, <laughs> legitimate number. Um, I'm looking for it. Like I was for some reason his minor league. Oh, okay. It's like less than 20. It's like less than 10 games. Before that, though, he had his WRC plus up to. I mean, he had a 144 and a 138 in pretty good sample sizes before. The... Yeah, it's four games. Four or 18 games. Yeah, no, four games. Don't even worry about that. But still, I mean, a WRC plus above 138 uh, and 136 the year before that, then it up 144. The guy might be legit. I don't know, like, his defensive. Uh, I mean, he's av- he's a- he's above average defensively. Like you said, as he's already accrued one war, so um, like he's got that's good competition. I mean, he's a dark horse that not was he's not on a lot of people's radar, and uh, I think he's going to give Carroll Car- like a run for his money because he's gotten. I mean, you can't be not happy with Carroll's performance so far. Like I'm, I think you are right. Like you yeah. can't ask for much more than than some more walks, and uh, he's finally got back to the <laughs> the play discipline that we expected when he we went to the season. Like, it was very unusual for him to be uh, that poor uh, in terms of, like, how much he's walking. So I'll also add this. The power the power that Corbin Carroll is putting on there is better than I've seen expected. He's actually... He's driving balls in, obviously. He's, I knew he had a max exit velocity of 112 in AAA last year. And that's has, which is uh, above, well above average. If you were to give that exit velocity a power grade, it's a sixty. But uh, Carroll's barreled up quite a few ball, uh, quite a few balls this year. I think he's now up to six barrels, and I think in, in his barrel rate's like thirteen, fourteen percent now. Yeah, no, he, he's definitely uh, shown more more power than I expected so far. Like he's really like the pop is there. Like he's. I think a lot of people under just like looking at Carroll, you don't you wouldn't think of him as a guy who has a lot of pop, but he's got a surprising amount of power for, for a guy his size. And I'm just gonna look at his previous. I mean, he's pretty much in line with the power that like the ISO um this season is actually a lower than pretty much every season in the minors, but of course, like I mean he played in really uh, great offensive environment, so you got to discount that a little bit. But still, this is pretty much kind of what I'd expect from him in terms of power. Yeah, I think last year was his power 
power in quotation marks was more taking the extra base hit this year. He's just destroying balls. Like legitimate pa- power, not using his speed to get extra bases to cheat that ISO number. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there definitely is a component to his his, his, his slugging percentage in uh, a lot of seasons, just that he does take the extra base. Like he's gonna, that adds up. Um, but this year, yeah, he's crushing the ball. And I really like that. That's surprising to me because I was more used to just him wheeling it to second on something that like most people would be like, you know, barely a single. Yeah. He's the only guy who can successfully run on Mookie bets. It seems this year. Yeah. That's impressive right there. Like Betts has got a ridiculous arm. Like, I mean, it's not, he's, he's, it's Bo Jackson-esque with the amount of like, just how accurate and powerful uh, Mookie's arm is like, He's not a guy you run on. And the fact that Carroll can run on him, that's uh, something to take notice of. I think what makes Betts really tough to run on is his release is fast for a short, would be fast for a shortstop. So you put that in the outfield and you don't necessarily have guy. You can have guys with powerful arms, but they take forever to load up that crank up that ball. You don't have that problem with Betts. He's got a very quick transfer, kind of like Dalton Varsho was for the Oh, yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, Varsho's arm wasn't like super strong, but his release and just like everything else was great. I love Michaela's com- uh, comment of Corbin is kicking ass and he's now ta- taking three walks. Yeah, I love it. That's what the first thing I said is, and he's walking. So um, I, you can't be happier than, than that with, uh, with what Carol's doing. Uh, is there much more to say about him so far? Like, I'm, I mean, he hasn't. What's his war accrued so far? He's already a half a war. So no, it's going to go up. It's going to go up because he had a double and two walks against the, he had two hits, a double, which was classified as a barrel and two walks. So yeah. WRC pluses went up 20 points. Yeah, that's really, yeah. <laughs> his walk percentage today was 40%. So <laughs> I like significantly brought it up to, 4.3 went from 1.6 to 4.3. <laughs> so, I mean, this is small sample size. That's the main thing that like you got to remember is like, it's only like, we're not even 20 games yet. Like you got to be paid. Like where I'm baseball is a really long endurance sport it is not a sprint. So I uh, got to kind of, uh, remember that like small sample size, like a small sample size is like anything less than really like, I'd say like 30 games, 60, it's even 60 games. I'd say the small sample size. It's got 51 career games. Yeah. That's kind of ridiculous that he's, he's uh if you look at Carol's whole, like, his whole professional career, it's like nothing but impressive. Even the fact that he like what he did on his injury uh, when he was on the, you know, recovering the, the, the shoulder surgery, like every single part of it, like he continues to impress me. Including like having his parents drop him off, and giving his mom a hug. Like that's like, he's a good guy too. He's, that's like just heartwarming. That's why he's got a hundred million, a hundred million dollars in the bank. It's because he's an awesome. It's because he's an awesome person. It has nothing to do with baseball. Yeah. He deserves. It. Only the world worked that way. Mm-hmm. So we'll go from one prospect who is having a good uh, one prospect who is having a great start to the season to another one. This time in Double A with Jordan Lawler, first nine games hitting two ninety with a four twenty five on base percentage, more walks than strikeouts. 
645 slugging because he's got three home runs already. Five stolen bases, 69% better than the average double-A hitter with a 169 WRC+. Plus. Is anyone else surprised that Lawler's off to such a hot start? Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't see no reason to be surprised at Lawler. Like ever since, like he's like, just like Harold, he, he's done everything that you'd want him to. Um, I think the 455 Woba is, or W-O-B-A, like that's uh, probably more impressive than the 69, uh, W-16, uh, you know, 16, one, one, uh, 169 WRC plus. Like I think that's more impressive because I, uh, I mean, he's, He's another guy who's doing everything that you want. He's hitting for like tons of, he's already got three home runs. Um, like that's in nine games. It's fantastic. Uh, he's not, I thought he'd be a little more aggressive on the base paths, but like, I mean, he's still like, uh, he's feeling at least like basically, uh, like a stolen base every other game, which is, that's, yeah, that fits right into. Be on pace for about 70 at this rate. That's fan- like I mean, considering they're having, I think the only guy who's, let's see, Patino ended up with like just short of sixty total in in uh, an A, and then yeah, fifty four in Brasilia. Yeah, so and then I think he had another like seven or eight, so he had like sixty two at the end of the season, or like 50, just short 67. of 60. 67, 67 on okay. like eighty eight percent success rate. Surprisingly, he doesn't have that many stolen bases yet, but like that. Lawler is, uh, he's adjusted fine. I think he's, he's almost, I would, wouldn't be surprised if he, uh, is, gets promoted very soon. I mean, especially with, uh, Alexander out with, uh, the, the, the broken thumb. thumb. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm not surprised that he wasn't promoted like all right. I mean, I understand like they, they didn't promote him for They're multiple reasons. Him. They're not going to rush him. Plus there's some other guys that needed to get the, the plate appearances in, uh, Reno already. Um, like, uh, oh, well, Jake Hager's not really blocking anyone, yeah. But uh, I mean, it gives more, more. I mean, you can, I think, have they started anyone else other than Hager at shortstop? Well, I don't think I can look that up, but I don't think they Actually, have. I mean, they might start Castillo there just to get him a look, but uh, Castillo's not really your uh, he's a second baseman, by the way. Speaking of Amarillo, they're doing the thing. They're doing the thing. The thing. Yes. See how many innings Bryce Jarvis went. Five innings, four walks, eight Ks for Jarvis. Diego Castillo, Michaela, Michaela. That's who I'm talking about. Um, yeah. So he's he's more of a utility infielder. Uh. I mean, like, I'm just surprised if they if they just only give Hager a look at shortstop. Like, I don't see why, if Waller's tearing it up in a month, like, why wouldn't he be? Like, I don't see him finishing out May necessarily in Double A if he continues at the pace he's at. Well, think about it this way: when did Carol? When was Carol dropped off in the trip? When was Carol promoted to Reno? That's when you can expect Waller to be called up if he continues this. Oh, let's see. By the way, Lawler one for four. Wasn't that the end? Of, wasn't that the end of May? Actually, I'm pretty sure. So wait, no, twenty two. He did fifty eight games in in Double A. So that would be the timeline. We're at game nine, so probably another. Yeah, that makes sense, Michael. I could see late June, but that would that yeah, like mid mid to late June. Then I mean, I, I he continues to tear it up in, in Amarillo. I mean, it might be a sooner timeline. His bat's ready. We like we all 
really the thing is his defense um, is what he needs to work on. Yeah, I would say Blaze is out until June. So then you got, and I think Alexander. Worst case scenario, they would move Alexander around the infield to get Lawler's reps at shortstop. It's not like they can't play Alexander and Lawler on the same infield at any level. In fact, Alexander might be better suited for third. Yeah, I. He, you know, honestly, if if uh, like Perdomo is a fantastic like fantastic shortstop, um. And I like him better defensively than Lawler. And if his bat stays as good as it's been, um, I don't see why we wouldn't necessarily move Lawler third because we don't have a ton of great third base prospects. I mean, most of the ones that we we have had, like uh, Vukovic has started, been starting at first. Uh, De Los Santos has been starting at first. So we really don't have like a traditional third base prospect. And the way he kind of almost fits that, like uh, – like we shouldn't make the same mistake that the Yankees made with Jeter of like leaving that short and like because he's like the, the prospect, better prospect and better guy. Um, I, I don't see why we wouldn't move him to third um, and have him. I mean that that uh, I really like the, the, that combo at second and shortstop with Perdomo and Lawler like defensively much more than the other way. Like you know anyone else. Just warn you right now. Law- uh, Perdomo has good numbers at the plate, but he's basically the king of the soft search single right now this season. Yeah, he is. He's certainly, he really launch is. I like up. To... Exit velocity's up a mile an hour. Launch angle's up a couple miles an hour. Like 86 and 15 is much more conducive to getting base hits than 85 and 12. How old is Perdomo now? I mean, he's still at an age where a lot of guys 23. are still in He's 23. He's not, that, he's not that much older than Lawler. And like we people forget, like a lot of... Uh, uh, Latin American uh, international mm-hmm. prospects are, are behind on defense and just behind in general because they're not going to have the same opportunities available as uh, like someone growing someone up. Six overall. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, you know, I mean, I know, uh, I think Waller's mostly been like, uh, you know, a single mom, if I remember correctly, as a, uh, it's just really his mom being supportive of him. So like, I mean, yeah, she gave him every opportunity possible. But uh, like that, he still had way more opportunities than Perdomo probably had at a really young age. Well, let's just say this: if Perdomo has enough sticking power offensively. You don't worry. You don't worry about the infield. You'll figure. Yeah, it out. absolutely. There's enough reasons to get him on the field. Although so. Ryan Bliss and Waller together are a really great keystone combo. Like I love watching. Like the, what I've seen of their defensive plays, I'm very impressed. Speaking of uh, Bliss, the probably the league leader in batting average in the minors is one for four, so his batting average is now four twenty six. Four twenty six. Yeah, no, Bliss is Bliss's breakout is like I mean I think a lot of uh, people were looking at him last season and were wondering like okay is is he a bust? There's a few guys that like you know really that I was questionable going into the season after the performance last season, they stepped up. He's one of them. Yeah. Obviously looking past the surface numbers, we mentioned this before on the podcast, but Ryan bliss did actually have a very good second half with Hillsborough. His final two months he had did. OPS in the seven seventies, which at that level is very good. I mean, that environment is very good. Like Hillsborough. Yeah. It's not, it's the only environment in the D back system. That's pitcher friendly. So, you could actually look it up on the game log, I think, on Fangraphs. 
And Bliss is a good enough defender at second base that if he's a league average hitter, he'll they're gonna have to leave him there. Oh yeah, no, his his glove hundred percent. Like he if if all that mattered was the glove, uh I'd say the glove's major league ready. If not, it's it's ready at the end of the season. Like he's that good defensively. I'm gonna go post all star break. Yeah. I mean, he's 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 pretty much just neat. It's like a lot of these like. I mean, he's he was a great college player. Um, so, yeah. I like I liked I liked him in college, and he's had a lot more like I mean he's it's weird. Uh, like Perdon, like it's weird that like Brian Bliss is the same age as Perdomo. Like people like don't realize that like. Just how young Perdomo is. He's got he's younger than the college players in the system right now. So um I think I think that may he may end up being the the you know double play combo of the future with Lawler. Um just slide him over to I mean leave Bliss and Lawler together. They really are good. Perdomo move him to a middle u- utility infielder or just slide him up, you know, Lawler over to third, like I said. You've got a hell of an infield. All right, so looking at Bliss's numbers since July 22nd to April, August 30th last year, 265 average, 362 on base, 470 slug, uh, 14, 14.5% strikeout rate, 9% walk rate, all very good across the board, 32% above league average up to that point, so 132. That's why he's in double A to start the season. Yeah. Uh, and, like, he really he turned it around. Waller in the outfield, I think that's... Not I think that's not going to happen. Yeah, he's wouldn't be bad. He'd he be a terrific center fielder. He would be a great center fielder. But we have so many other people that are like fantastic. Like at this point, we are rich in outfield. Like we have too, we have too much. We have so many outfielders that they're like coming out our ears. Okay, we have we have too many good outfielders in our system named Dominic. You know, like well, we have two guys named Dominic. We got too many Dominics that are good in the outfield right now. I'm joking, well, one but of them you can't my one point. One has decent defense. The other one is an outfielder name only. Yeah, it, we're talking about Canton, right? So, so we'll talk about um, those two later. We're going to move on to uh, Brandon Fott. Obviously, Fott off to yeah. So a little bit of context. Obviously, the numbers don't. The ERA doesn't look great, but that's the case where he gave up five runs on four homers in his first start. In his last two starts, he's only given up three runs in nine and two thirds innings. Although so it's, like this, it's Reno. Yeah. Also, the thing that's kind of worrisome is Fott hasn't been what he, what he was great at last year was being very efficient with his pitches. That hasn't been the case so far. But then again, it's a three start sample size. So we don't yeah. think too much. There's another factor going on is that the weather uh, in Reno has been really uh, sketchy it's been very snowy at times. It's, like it's still snowing there. Like, I don't think people get that. Like, his numbers are going to be wonky just to begin with because it's snowing in, like, half the places that he's he's been uh, pitching in. Like, I know Salt Lake has recently gotten, gotten snow. Like, it's not it's a weird – it's a weird thing. And, I, you know, I that first start was really bad. Like, that's yeah. probably the first – that's the worst start he's had in his professional career probably. Yeah, that was a case where he got uh... – Looking at the bad ball data, obviously, looking at the stat cast data, it seemed like he got his change-ups got squared up for a home run. His second one was a Reno home 
Reno special, as I called it, a high fly ball to right field that just flies out of the boat, gets blown out of the stadium. So I've, t- I've talked to my, my siblings. One of my siblings has a condo in Reno. It's like, like literally like a walk away from the, the stadium. And then my, my sister recently lived there. And like we talk about this story, like the wind patterns of downtown Reno blow in such a way that the winds will pull home runs that would be a normal fly ball just into a home run. Like it should be an easy out. And anywhere else, it would it would be just a, a, a easy out. But in Reno, like that between altitude and that wind, uh, you're going to see a lot of extraneous home runs. Yeah, and I think when Fly gets more feel for his secondary stuff, I feel like the only secondary pitch he's had a good feel for all season is a slider since that start. So if you can get... Bot's a guy that has four very good pitches when he's going right, obviously most of the time. I think most of the uh, spring training we saw a fastball slider change up. But, uh, hey, you, you saw more of him in, in, like, how did he look this spring? Because I really didn't see that much of, of Bot. Like, I know he looked great, but, like, in comparison of what you've seen in the minors versus spring. Like, what are you seeing that's different? Well, he looked really good in his three, three of the four. And then the one I didn't see a thought he got, he had a, he forgot, he f- kind of lost the strike zone for an inning. So he had to get pulled and then re-entered the game and kind of cruised for the next two, got the next six outs and then gave up a hit pulled for the game. Okay. I mean, what I want to see, like, I think thought actually, uh, I get why they put him in the minors, actually. Um, I, you know, I know it's controversial. Everyone was like, oh, we should put him in the rotation. But the dude has never struggled. Like, if you look at his numbers, he has not really had a bad time at all other than. Maybe um, a start or two where he gave up three home. I don't know. Yeah, I don't think he's had a bad start like he had that first start. Like, I honestly, like, don't remember him having that bad of a start. I mean, he killed it in Amarillo. He killed it in Reno. And then he killed it in spring. I really think this is the first time he's really struggled in a while. And I think the team may, there may be some factor to it if they want to see how resilient he is. Uh, you know, like, because we've never seen the guy come back from a bad, you know, a couple bad starts. So what I'd like to see, like, before, like, okay, let's, everyone, like, we can get right into it, the mad bum conversation of, Oh, we should just call it thought. And, you know, uh, DFA, Mad Bum, that's not how it works, first of all. Uh, it's not up to Mike Hazen or anyone else. It's up to ownership. If ownership wants to do that, like, they can allow it or they, they don't. And that's They're just, not going to call it not, thought, the DF, DFA Bum Gunner. He doesn't quite. It's not going to happen. It doesn't. You mad, if, we, if, if the contract uh, for Mad Bum is. Uh, if it's moved off, like if we do anything with him, I think it'd probably be like a, a straight up salary swap of someone who's slightly more useful to us than Mad Bum would be. But there's a team out there who could use, you know, they may, hey, maybe they see something that they could, you know, help them figure it out that the D back, you know, strive, doubt it, but, um, you know, like it's up to ownership. So <laughs> it really is like either way. We're probably not going to see that unless it gets like you know continues to be bad. Where it's obvious, like that's the the one uh, consistent you know like uh, variable in terms of the Diamondbacks' losses. If it's just Mad- Madison Bumgarner, like eventually it's going to get to the point where yeah, they're going to have to do something about it. But it's not as simple as as just getting rid of them. If anything, you got like would he succeed in the ro- in in the in the bullpen? I don't think so. It's not. It, I 
I don't think I don't even know what if there would be a velocity bump in the first place for one. And if there is, I don't think it's going to be much. What's the difference between a 98, uh, 89 mile an hour meatball and a 91 mile an hour meatball? Yeah, that's good. That's good. You got you got a good point. Like that's really like there's really nothing. Like I don't see any improvement either. Um, I don't know what's going on with him. I mean, maybe he's over the hill. It happens. Um, everything you know, like little injuries catching up that may not you know not serious enough to show up on an MRI or anything like that or it affects his performance or it's mental. I don't know. Don't necessarily care. Um, but like what I want, like, I think that it's not going to be solved within the next, like before the deadline, I would doubt it. Um, really and I don't see it. Seems might be looking to pick up Bumgarner for minimum, but not or a minor league deal, but certainly not taking on any of that salary at this point. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I don't see someone picking if they won't pick up. You know, uh, like there's that that there that would not trade for Madison Bumgarner. Like point blank, I wouldn't do it. Um, I pick him up on like you know minimum salary. Sure, Diamondbacks picking up the rest of that contract. Yeah, why not? But like that's really that's the only way they're going to get out of that contract. Like, like I don't see like I don't see an improvement enough where he's worth trading for for any team. I was gonna say bad contract swaps. I'm trying to. Th- it's the same situation, almost the same situation as Patrick Corbin's contract situation. Oh, God, the okay, gets- don't don't monkey paw that, uh, yeah. Michael. Okay, we're not gonna have a salary dump of Patrick Corbin because there's you know there's some fan out here will be like we should trade Mad Bum for Patrick Corbin and they don't know anything Nobody about enough that. about baseball. Nobody wants the monkey paw of of that. Okay, so let's just make just sure that doesn't that. happen. I was just thinking of an equally as bad a contract. Oh God! I think there's got to be someone, someone who's written about it. Uh, worst. Strasburg obviously is the worst contract, but Strasburg's stuck in Washington because nobody wants a broken pitcher. Yeah, that's physically that's broken. A, that's a yeah, that's a situation where I don't think like it, it's going to take like they're they're going to have to legalize robotics, okay, to make Strasburg like a good picture again like he's gonna be like his whole body is gonna be like half replaced with cyborg parts and uh i don't see that happening in any time in the future so uh yeah he's done uh who's who's like okay bleacher report i'm gonna try to pull up some kind of random articles to see a good idea of i mean there's like oh uh, yeah patrick corbin comes up uh Yeah, I really don't. I mean, there's really no one else. Like, it's like Yelich, maybe. No, Yelich isn't that bad a contract. I don't think he's. No, that's a pretty bad contract. That's Mad Bum signed through. Yelich is still an above average player. He's just barely above average instead of an MVP candidate. How many? How when is uh Bumgarner's contract up? Is that after twenty twenty four? Yeah. Okay, so yeah, there's really no comparable contract that's like that similar like like running two years i mean that that patrick corbin contract is bad he's signed for way too long <laughs> that's the price uh, they paid the they won the world series now they gotta pay the price for winning it yeah that's uh unfortunate for nationals man. It's, cost of business. it's the cost of business i mean 
my I, I was talking to my my Royals fan, my best friend who's a Royals fan. I mean, it's unfortunate the situation there is that they're they're already like got yeah, the season's over. Get to the deadline, see if they can trade for some parts. <laughs> I'm like, oh, hey, we're in a better situation than that. Like, I thought that the D-backs would be, you know, not as good as they've been, and this is this is impressive. You know, they still got there's still two underlying concerns. Obviously, one's very fixable. The other one is not so much. The bullpen's the more bigger concern, I think, because there's no help. Yeah. there's no help coming in. But if the team can ham and egg it, they might be able to swing a trade at the deadline, perhaps, to bolster it. Must have gotten yeah. I don't. I don't. Yeah, the bullpen's a real question right now. After watching the the uh, the last game, I like apparently the Diamondbacks win when I watch the games. Um, so, uh, I, they really nearly blew it the other night. Like I was like, Oh wait, it's a comfortable eight, eight to eight to three lead. And then, uh, you know, I walk away for a minute and then it's like, we're chafe chafing is just cooked. And, uh, I think, I don't know, Castro, like he's, you know, thankfully got, got us out of the, out of that. But um, I was expecting them to lose, uh, based on the, the bullpen. I, mean, I don't trust man apply per se i don't trust mcgo or mcguff i forgot to say his name um mcguff was the one guy that pitched well yesterday oh yeah i still he just makes me nervous watching him pitch dude like i don't know about like long term we need some more like some more options i think chafin i think to explain chafin's outing i think he was pretty much toast physically that was his fifth appearance in nine days. Yeah, he's going to need to be. He needs. He needs to be made unavailable, like basically until after this weekend, like Sunday at the earliest. Um, he needs a few days off for sure. Castro's yeah, so been fairly reliable this year. I think he had that one bad outing against Milwaukee. Yeah, no, I I really I really like Castro so far. Like he's got great stuff. He just throws strikes he throws hard as hell hard you can see it's like a little bit better in the past years he's, he's definitely improved and i i think that's really uh like looking at him from like previous seasons and like i mean he's really like the last time he was good before he came to diamondbacks was in 2020 so um he looks more like that that guy again but he's i, I know he's like obviously the bullpen is definitely taxed so we need and that's the problem with madison bumgarner is oh, yeah. that like every, we might as well have a bullpen game. This is what I was to say. Your last two starters got a combined 20 outs. Yeah. That's what taxes your bullpen. Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, Jameson did not have his best stuff the other day. Um, I think, well, yeah, he couldn't throw it. He couldn't throw a slider. He threw, I think he first slider threw in the strike zone got hammered. Obviously, because Paul yeah. Goldschmidt does it to everybody. Well, it's Paul Goldschmidt. Yeah. Paul Goldschmidt, and then uh, he just had trouble throwing a slider anywhere near the strike zone. And I thought he had a yeah. pretty good-looking sinker, but he was missing down with it instead of the kind of th- yeah. I, of I actually over the plate. I actually caught the game like after he uh, <laughs> left the game. That's when I like joined, like started watching it. So I mean, he got bailed out with like uh, the offense really killing it. And if the real thing that's saving the pitchers right now is the defense, like the Diamondbacks. They're outs above average in the outfield. I think they're number one. 
And the infield, I think, is like within top five. I, I'm not, I'm not for sure. And I know we're getting like, I know Moreno has been fantastic at throwing out runners, and he's got to be like up there. All right, so let's look up outs above average. So Dimex is a team. Obviously, their defense I think took a hit today. Can I? This stupid computer sometimes just does not want to. Okay, so Dimex are number one in baseball and outs above average at plus 11, almost double the next team at plus six. That's the Mets. Yeah, that's uh, fantastic. They're really bailing out a lot of a lot of our pitchers. I can't imagine how much worse Bumgarner and Davies would have been. Like, they bailed Davies out in that one good start that he had. Like, literally, um, every single out was, uh, well, you know, like, thank Thank God we got Alec Thomas and Carroll and McCarthy in the outfield. All right. So looking at outs above yeah, average, your two double, leaders. Double the next team. Yeah. Your, your two leaders and outs above average are your two corner infielders at plus four, Josh Rojas and Christian Walker. So now just give Christian Walker the gold glove now. Don't Just don't even waste the season. Just give it to him now. So then They're after those... Like- and then, uh, everyone on the infield except Cattell is, pl- is in the positive. Yeah. I always forget how good Christian Walker is. He's really like an underrated. His defense is underrated. Um, just like it's something he's an afterthought at this point. Like, oh, yeah, of course, first Christian Walker is fantastic first baseman. Uh, uh, McCarthy is next highest at plus two. Outs above average in right field. And then Ahmed, Carroll, Longoria, and Perdomo are each plus one. I think Alec Thomas is uh, zero, although I haven't been impressed with his defense this year from the standpoint. He seems to be struggling catching balls, like I said. Outs above average has a minus one going to his right. Seems like that left center gap has trouble closing the uh squeezing the glove on it like he's just missing it by this literally this yeah i could tell is such a mystery he's such a mystery to me like i that's why i mean he i'm seeing the i'm seeing the old could tell some more like you know that like he's definitely uh been an asset offensively so far like i I think he's kind of written off as far as that goes, but like it's, it's uh, he's he just frustrates me. I, every everything else, like McCarthy is, uh, he, I'm, there's a real thing that like needs to be discussed is is like, uh, how many like what what is what is what are Jake McCarthy's numbers right now? Like uh, it tells it. Yeah, WRC plus is only at one hundred two, but. <sighs> Maybe due to a lack of walks, quality contact's fine. Jake McCarthy, I don't pretty sure McCarthy hasn't quite looked right at all this season offensively. Yeah, he's got twenty nine. He's got twenty nine WRC plus right now. Yeah, good strikeout, uh, decent strikeout walk rates. His BAPIP is really, really been unlucky, but I haven't really like seen enough to like look at it, like quality contact and everything else to like see if it's just. Uh-huh. Like, is he just rolling over on pitches or is it like bad luck? 
for science reasons, I'm only watching like a third of the games. All right. So if we look at his bad ball day. There's a, his ground ball rates down compared to last. Just, I think it's just a case of where his pop-ups are up. Oh Obviously. yeah. His pop-ups are, his pop-ups are like definitely, uh, he's looking more pre like pre swing change numbers. I think he's just gone away from what he's doing. Yeah. That's why he looks off is he's not, I think he might've reverted to his old, uh, kind of old, old batting habits because Jake and Actually, Percy, his old batting habits were beating the ball into the ground. Yeah. I think he's trying, I, I think mean, he's trying to lift the ball more and that's where he's getting into trouble. Well, either way, he's he's got yeah his yeah he's definitely his his uh, infield fly numbers. Um, I don't know. I'm here. Like they kind of if you oh, look wait, at no, if you, you can't look, trust. I just realized you can't oh, trust Fangraphs for infield fly ball because it divides by its pop ups divide by fly balls. So we need oh, to okay. Statcast it. Yeah, look at Statcast. I don't have that right. There's a slight difference between the two and uh, batted ball data. Well, according to Fangrass, is ground ball rates down. Okay, so compared to last year, ground ball rate isn't that far down. However, line drives are down, turning into fly balls. Well, let's pull up Alec Thompson. Quality I mean, contact I, is I, down compared to last year. Okay, so. Oh, I, I think it's just because of the matter of like looking at video of like him when he's on like a hot stretch versus like someone just needs to get him back in the video room and work the cage. Okay. Like it's a timing issue with McCarthy. It seems he's either rolling over or he's hitting weak fly balls the other way. Now he's had yeah, a few moments where he's ripping balls through the infield and he, and he had that one triple against the Dodgers. Although I don't think he's really squared up a ball this year. Whereas you can, where's the case with Thomas? It's a, I think Thomas is actually trending up. Exit velocity is way up. Launch angle is starting to come up, I think. And he's and he also hit a pretty impressive home run today. His defensive uh, numbers are a little down, but uh, that'll turn around. I don't think it's a big nine games. is not a big enough sample size to say, like, oh, well, Thomas's defense isn't as good when every single like a mass there's a, we have a big mass of data that says that he's fantastic defensive. All he needs to do is be like even like kind of near. He doesn't actually have to be league league average to be uh, a positive WAR player. His offenses needs to be just good enough uh, to let the defense do the rest. I mean that's really like where he's at, and he yeah he's trending up. I don't think this is like nine games is not a big enough sample size. Jake McCarthy is more concerning to me than than Alec Thomas. Because like I said, your uh, player going from your age 22 to age 23 season, there's a five-mile-an-hour jump in exit velocity. We'll see if that's sustained. Strikeout and you walk rates are pretty similar. Hard hit rate his is His BABIP is up. down, yeah. His, his, his uh, is way up. If you look at uh, Thomas's, uh his batting average and balls in play, like it's it's definitely below average. So yeah, he's been unlucky to face on that. But... Uh, I mean, it's, it's, we're still like, we're not even like 20 games. So I think, I think it's a case where the line drive rate is down. That's why you see the balls in play average drop. Yeah. It's, it's like 70% of line drives become hits or something like that. Yeah, something like that. I think that that's the thing is like, it's, uh, I just, I mean, it's, it's just from, like, just from experience. I know, like, this is, 
uh, we can you can have a great opening month and team can be complete shit. Like you know that as a Diamondbacks fan, we've experienced team just collapsing, and we've also seen teams that start off like kind of uh, eh, and do fantastic. Um, I think the Diamondbacks are trending up. Other than like the bullpen, I think this the, the starting pitching can only get better uh, if we just uh, make some key moves. But that's not up to us, so we'll just ignore that that component. But um, I mean, I think they've actually been lucky, honestly, to to have the record they have. Like, what would you say? Would you do you think the Diamondbacks have like earned their record? I don't know. I feel like the bullpen, obviously, the war is going to be negatively impacted because they keep giving up. Because they, when they get blown out, they get really blown out this year. Yeah, that's that is true. Like, and when they're bad outings, they've been much worse than like their their bad games are very bad. It's very like hot and cold. <laughs> like, it's like, they're, like extreme numbers. Like, I, the, 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 I've seen the relievers. Kind of whole like on the games I watched, they've actually been pretty good. All I got six games, but um, like and every and and just so far, like the bullpen's been good enough where you can accept it. But like, I mean, it's concerning just how bad they are in bad outing. Okay, so the D backs are 13th and win probability added for the bullpen, the 14 to 9 shut down the meltdown ratio, so that's uh, one and a half. So, it's- what is up with Kyle Lewis? I haven't, I was gonna ask about that. Might as well ask you now. Kyle Lewis has been Wally pipped. <laughs> well, Wally I don't pipped. know what the well, Paven Smith is on a tear. No, I mean in terms of his is like what was he sick? Like, do you know what the illness he was put on for? Like no. I, I mean I never heard so we don't know. Okay. Uh who knows with that? So we're he's tomorrow will be the tenth day. He's, he's got options. Yeah. Two options left. He, can't really send Smith down. down right now. No, Smith, you're set, you have set, uh what you got? Where are Smith's numbers? I think he's saying like three thirty. He he's been good enough. Like I'm not gonna worry about Paven Smith now. He's hot. You got to you, You're gonna take advantage of that. You're talking about a guy that had uh, two homers in this series. I would rather have a hot Paven Smith than I uh, like I. Uh, Kyle Lewis, okay, like I mean, he's been a really good bat, and it's the rest of the team's fine. But like Haven, Haven actually does have a little bit of defensive flexibility where he can back up Walker at first, and he can you know play left field, which that those are u- more useful than not being able to go to the field at all, which is where we're at with Lewis. Like I really don't trust the dude's knees at all to like survive a position and like standing there for nine hours he's or like three. Okay, there's two hours. He's a D, he's pure DH, and I'd rather take I take a position player, even the one that's like you know, middling defensively over a DH <laughs> DH's defense, especially if there's like a little bit of defensive flexibility there. However, the flip side for bringing Lewis is uh, Smith is unplayable against left-handed pitching, and Lewis obviously would be in the lineup against lefties. That's about the only thing. Yeah, I'm, yeah, they're and totally. That Smith that- does have less power potential than Lewis. Although the way Smith's been hitting the last week, I don't know anymore. I'm very like it's. I think it's the universe telling telling us like because we. I I hate I hate to admit it, but like, um. Both of us have both. We've been very hard on Taven like throughout his career. Um, like, and like most of he's a very niche player for a seventh overall pick. Yeah, that was a terrible draft, though. We've already gone over this before. <laughs> like that was a terrible draft. It's like it's not like you're 
you're like, oh, well, that was a seventh overall pick in a like a stacked draft. It was a middling draft, and like there's like maybe like what, five or six other players that really like you know, and the had best success in the player in that draft class was drafted 68th overall. Yeah, is Varsha is Bar- by same team. By the same team, so you can't be mad at Haven Smith. I mean, it, it's the thing is we set our expectations too high with with him in the first place. But I think all the shit talking, I think it might he might know about it, and this is like his middle finger to us. And I say, do it, Paven. Please prove yeah, me wrong. Everyone wants to see Paven hit. Everyone I'd like. I thought like, he couldn't. Wouldn't be able to. I love to see Madison Bumgarner succeed. I'd love for him to be good. Everyone wants to see him succeed. It's just unfortunately everyone thinks he it's not happening. Uh, yeah, and that's the thing. And I wish he he I don't know what's going on, like what's doing, but he needs to make some change or whatever, or like hang hanging up. You know? You'll walk away from the game, you know, yourself and be like, hey, you know what? Maybe it's time. I'm gonna go join the rodeo and change my name to Mason Saunders. And you know what, hey, you know what, you know what, Madison, if you're watching this, I think you should do it. You should become a Hall of Fame rodeo player. Please, as Mason Saunders, not as Madison Bumgarner. You think his twins that's what we, enough to make the Hall of Fame in uh, Bumgarner's case? Uh, he's got the rings. Like, he's good with the Giants. Like, I'm not going to not going to lie. Like, his 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 shit was great in the playoffs uh, with the Giants, like. And I'll never say it to an act like an active giant like player, like pitching against us. But he was really good in the playoffs, and uh, like he just kind of I don't know. They, they, he's a workhorse. I think that's part of the problem is he just has so much mileage on his arm. I think it's a like, case I, where you just never learned how to pitch differently in the way it worked for a decade. I mean, how old is he now? Okay, he's so he's, which, he's he's going to be 34 this year, okay? And I'm going to tell you, Madison, I'm going to turn 36 in two weeks. And you know what? My body hurts. It aches. And you know what? That's going to be more and more the thing. Like, you either change your nutrition, you work harder at it, uh, you know, change it up. Your shit don't work anymore. You got to do something different. Like, I hope, I hope he hears it. And here's my advice. Uh, I don't want all the fans to be wrong about Madison Bumgarner, you know? than to be right about him you, you see all the shit talking on twitter today about him and it's like i he's still a person and i want to see the best like i want to see diamondbacks succeed. come on madison do something different yeah, i mean there are other prospects yeah let's talk about drew jones here, he's Drew off to a bit of a, Jones. Off to a bit of a slow start, obviously, you can see. 167 average, 268 on base with 13 strikeouts and five walks. 194 slugging percentage. I guess, like I said, it's unrealistic to believe that uh, Jones would hit the ground running the same way that Lawler and Carroll did when they were put in the minor leagues. That's uh, Yeah, it's very unrealistic. He's kind of heating up lately. I mean, he was drawing walks, kind of. He had a, a really rough stretch the first first few games. I think he's I, I think he had a pair of hits recently. So the battery average is going up. He will get better. There's no way he's this bad. I mean it's just like uh it's, it's very unrealistic. Last seventeen at the plate. So that's a little better. That's better than when he got off to. So um what about in the last couple games? Is that how many yeah, games? Is game that? yesterday with a double. 
Okay, so that's kind of that's not where on I got recency bias here, but he looks better the last like two games. So it looks like he might be finally getting his his swing on. Yeah, it's a very small sample size, and let's see. Yeah, always, always, always remind yourself as that as a baseball fan is that um, you cannot. It's not like football where you have like eight, like, 12, like I don't even know, it's like eighteen oh, games. It takes, total. Year, it takes three. It, in my opinion, it takes three years for a. Uh... NFL player to develop in their career, obviously. With baseball player, I think it takes, what? The best prospects will take three years to get to the big leagues and then another two or three. Yeah, it's not like... Ceiling. Back in the day, like even when you have a guy go straight to the major leagues, it still wasn't very common. Like You did not have guy like once the draft was instituted, there's not... It becomes less and less common. And I think that it's uh, like... Uh, it was like Steve Sachs was like I think one of the more recent guys that, that went like Mike Leak. I mean, I'm, I'm like hit, who's the last hitter? That's the one I'm wondering. I'm thinking it might be Xavier Nady. It is Xavier Nady. You're right. Um, yeah, Nate. So yeah, it's like Xavier Nady, and then like I'm thinking before that it might have been a good ten years. I think it was like I know it was the '80s. So. Uh, a lot of guys don't. It's not. It's a slow process. That's the thing. Like the things that might might you and I were talking about on players. Like we're just now seeing guy. Like we are. Like two years ago, three years. Oh yeah, we're coming. Carroll's draft in twenty twenty one, right? So it's been like two years. He's flying through the system. Okay, there's guys that we're still talking. Like Haven Smith is just now figuring it out, and he's drafted in twenty seventeen. Yeah, all like, these guys are real, college players. Yeah. And, yeah, they're all college players. We need to see. There's very. I don't think it's the last time there was a high school player that went straight to the major leagues was like like the '60s or something like that. Maybe even like the like early '70s. It doesn't happen now because the average talent, the the talent level for the average player in the major leagues has gone up substantially in the last thirty Absolutely. years. The best players have not gotten better, but the average player has gotten. But the players that average have gotten better. Yeah, the great players are always going to be great. Yeah, no, these these are people that like literally like they they live in like Shohei Itani lives and breathes baseball. He does not spend money on other things. His mom takes care of all of his money. Uh always gonna have a lot and then, of money. And then she gives him an allowance. Like literally, this is what he does. And everything else one million dollar allowance. Yeah, he's got a million dollar allowance and he does what I think that's actually really dope. That's what I would do if I was like I'm making my mom to do it. I'm like, mom, I don't trust myself. Trust her. Uh, take care, but he lives and breathes the game. That's all he does. He like watches baseball. He plays when he plays video games. He plays baseball. Yeah, the guy's, gonna be a, the guy's probably going to be a billionaire in a, in less than twelve months between his contract and whatever endorsements he's going to get from it. What weird video game do you think Shohei Itani plays besides like baseball games? Do you think there's like he plays like DDR or like? Guitar Hero or something like the like unexpected. I don't think they allow him to play Guitar Hero. Yeah. Nah. After after what's his That's name? His uh, That's his money making hand. Yes, his money making hand. He's not allowed to do that. What if he? What if he? What if he, he slips his hand? Hand slips on the controller. Yeah, I think Carol was in this. Like uh, Michaela was talking about. It. Yeah, Carol's a freak too. He's been playing the game since he was a a kid, and he's already like They've all been playing much, the game since they were five years old. Yeah, he's five years old. Uh, Shohei's got money in the bank already too, just from his like posting fee and all that. It's not like he didn't make money coming over here. 
Would have made um, more money have all... if he had. Problem is, it's a CBA that, that was signed before he posted over. Basically, yeah. Over. If he signed under like the same rules that was like Ichiro's, was it Ichiro? Was the last? Even. Yeah, under the U Darvish, like those rules. Those either way, he would have made bank. Or Tanaka, Tanaka got one hundred fifty-five million. Yeah. Um, but he would have been I, yeah, ex- eligible to the rules anyway because he was like twenty-seven or something. Yeah, no, I really would like. I'm really curious to see how much he makes in nine. Because I mean, like the thing is, he's already got the body of talent. He's shown that he's healthy enough. Like really, like Tommy John was gonna be concerned. Like you have that concern with any pitcher that throws that hard. Like it's so, like the physics of like the strain put on your your tendons and your in your arms throwing overhanded. Um, you're gonna snap eventually. Like literally, like that's, that's what that's what happens. Like you're putting more force than your like your body was intended to do. So like the what they reinforce it with is actually a much stronger tendon. So you see guys pick up like velocity too. It's got a lot of elasticity because it was never strained like that. It's like a, a new rubber band that you put in there. So yeah, talking about Jones, I don't think Jones has the same polish as a hitter as Carroll and Lawler have because obviously Carroll they were giving him six yeah. seventy. We're calling him the most polished high school bat in his draft class. They said the same about Lawler too. Yeah, absolutely. They weren't That's saying the that about Jones. Drew Jones ceiling. Drew Jones' thing, why he was such a highly rated prospect. One is obviously like he's a son of a major leaguer who's like borderline, probably will be Hall of Famer. Um, he'll take the guy like get him in. Yeah, he'll be in the veterans. I don't see. I don't see him uh, not being in the in the, in the Hall of Fame eventually. But he'll be in there eventually. And so his dad's a Hall of Famer, and he's he's more athletic than his father. Like he's got much a much like more athletic build uh he's like a bigger guy than his dad so um six four and wiry wiry build yeah so he's, yeah but he's still he's not completely filled out he's not done growing but he doesn't have the uh the polish definitely like his hit tool is always the one question really about him as a prospect when carol and uh lawler like they have great hit tools like it's absolutely what you want um Carroll's was like always kind of like power. That's actually Drew Jones is probably his best tool is his power. Like dude, like when he gets like barrels of ball, it is hit very, very hard. Yeah, he got a he got a barrel in his uh when he flew out to the wall against the Cleveland. That was registered as stat cast barrel. Yeah, so we like you know what you went like uh So at nineteen years old he's getting major league quali- caliber barrels. Yeah, so that's impressive right there. So that, I mean, really, the, the question oh, is, the other way. is, yeah, I think that um, it's going to take him a little longer. Like, you really can't expect him to fly through. I actually made a prediction, like, oh, you'll see Drew Jones probably called up not next season, but the season after. I think that's maybe the season after that would be more realistic. So 2024, 2025 for, you know, when he arrives at the major league, 2025 might be more realistic for him. Are we talking about Justin Upton level prospects? Because Upton is, uh, I think, entering two thousand six was the number two prospect according to Baseball America. J Up was hype, dude. Uh, I don't know what you're like. People were really excited about Upton, but like he was not like he. he, he this more is athleticism at that age. Like him and his brother, I think, kind of underperformed, honestly. Um, I think they had some really high expectations put on them, and I think that the pressure kind of got both to him and I. And if you look at their 
some of the background, like, yeah, they're, they're, they had a very, uh, I know the boss man, not, not the boss man junior, but the boss man, uh, had some very high expectations of his sons. And I think that might have played into, uh, just how the two of them performed, honestly. I was going to say, Justin um, had a pretty good career. Yeah, he had a good career. Like, he's, not a, he's not a Hall of Famer. He's a Hall of Very Good. Yeah. Like, he was, he, towards the end of the, his D-backs contract, he was, a, like, one of the best uh, outfielders in the league. People really just, uh, I don't know, I think there's there's a whole lot of, there's a whole conversation about that that's not even about him as a player, but more uh, fans and society and expectations. It's not really what this podcast is about. Plus, I think Upton gets stinged because 2005 is an all-time great draft class in the first round. Is it? Oh, so uh, Andrew Jones, it's really like, yeah, he absolutely uh, should be in the Hall of Fame based on his numbers. But the thing is, is a lot of people just see like he fell off a cliff. Fell off a cliff in his 30s. In his 30s. His like, bat, he just... His bat disappeared like, all around. at 30. He lost his speed. He lost his power. He lost every single thing that like really would made him an all famer. It's just really his body kind of gave out on him, and that's really yeah, it broke down at thirty, basically. And yeah, and that's I mean he was, but he still was in like uh, yeah he had like ten, like over ten seasons that were like uh like Hall of Fame level. So yeah, he'll get in eventually. It's just uh the, he just won't get in while the writers have a say in it. Is my point. Yeah, the writers right now, like, it's really hard to, like, even, like, this is a weird thing of any guy who played during the steroid era. And then in the set, the expectations that were set by, like, you know, by the steroid era has affected guys that didn't, you know, be like, no, like, didn't do steroids. So, um, I know Todd Helton's going to get dinged for the fact that 2005, his career went south. Yeah, of course he will. Um, that's that, you know, I mean, the thing. Uh, I think Todd Helton is a legitimate Hall of Famer. He's a Hall of Famer. The thing is that people like it's the Colorado thing. It's we're like, oh, he played in he played in quarters in the nineties and blah 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 and steroids and like we all it's played out conversation. But he was like, like honestly, growing up, um, he like in his peak prime. I, there's not a better hitter, and he put up tons of quality seasons, super high batting average. Like post peak Helton was still very good. He just wasn't able to hit thirty plus home runs a year. So the Counting stats aren't necessarily great, but post peak Helton was still very good because you couldn't get him out and he had a lot of doubles. Yeah, he on base percentages. Yeah, he definitely did not fit the 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 prototypical first baseman of his era that he was in. He's like a very much like a John Olerud, where uh, or even Mark Grace. You know, like Mark Grace is Mark Grace is not nearly as good as Todd Helton, and he'll tell you that. (laughs) Uh. And so, yeah. Gracie is just, uh, you know, Hall very good, I think. So, yeah, peak Helton. So we're going 98 to 04. Helton was worth 30, 43.5 war, almost 30 wins above average. Yeah, that's and that's uh, post peak Helton, which is 05 to 09. Okay, so 2005 had the back injury. Post-peak, I would say, is to 2009. He's still worth 15 war. On the strength so of good like first base over defense. 50? And... That's like borderline. That's pretty much like a like veteran committee. He's like, his war was like, I mean, yeah, but like, if you're comparing the steroid era guys, you're like, 
just like overdid it. I don't necessarily think Todd Helton did steroids. He always seemed kind of like the the unathletic, <laughs> you know, yeah, like the stereotype of unathletic first baseman. You know, he was like a just big guy, drank beer. He's like uh, what's his name? Six two and like, lean. He's got he was a similar build to Goldie. Like wait, like Wade Boggs, you know, like Wade Boggs just drank beers. You don't really think of him as a guy who's like working out or anything like that. And that's how I thought I always thought of Todd Helton. He was like a working class first baseman. But like, okay, Andrew Jones, he'll get in eventually too. And the thing is, is Drew Jones is the son of a major leaguer. Uh, not quite. I don't know how their either relationship is. I don't, that's not even my business, but like, I think Drew Jones is his bat. This is not polished. He hasn't faced as good competition. Like once he gets maybe like two, three seasons, he should be ready. But right now, the bat needs work. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he spent the entire year in Visalia. And if yeah, it's a, I, yeah, it's a, and it's a progression thing. The numbers don't necessarily look great when you look at it through the whole season, but it's going to be better as it goes on. Well, Visalia is a hitter's environment anyway, so yeah. not extreme, but it's still within one standard deviation. I think of uh, average, but it's like at the very end. No, no, it's slightly outside. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've seen a little bit of his like his defense looks great. He's nobody's, very fast. Nobody's talking he's got about his range. defense because they know it's good enough. Yeah, it's good enough. That's the thing. It's like he's just gonna take his bat's gonna take a while to catch up, and like that's kind of the opposite of Lawler. Of like Lawler's just needs a little more. Like he just needs the reps, honestly, to to be a you know he's he's got the potential to be a quality major leaguer, you know, like at least league average defender. Well, I'll be disappointed if Jones is a league average defender. That's how much I he think of his defense. I think floor. Floor of league average. With an above average bat, you'd still take that. Yeah, I mean, I, mean I, shouldn't, I, I shouldn't say league average. I'd say like, at least like, uh, you know, uh, not negative defensively. Unlike statistics. So he's like, there's like Zero he has runs to this. Yeah. Okay. If we put this up zero defensive runs above average. Okay. At shortstop. So, but he has like a ridiculous offensive war. Would you take that? Yeah. And if he, if he can't play shortstop, there's plenty of places to move. You move him to third. That's what you do. If that happens. But that's usually a thing. If the guy has a range issue. I don't think his range is really the issue. I think it's just like, he's a lot of it's like, this is footwork. And then like, it's, you know, uh, the, like yeah. the little things that you need, like they're all little things that you have to just do a lot to learn. Yeah. Like, um, just the transition, like the the flip, all the little things that are just like you gotta keep doing them, and things that he's gotta work on every day. And like, I think, um, he'll get there. It's not yeah. gonna take him that much longer. He should be. I think he'll be uh, on. I think he'll be on the opening day roster next year. I'd be very surprised if he's not. I'd be very surprised if he's not next year either. Like I, I would, he's probably I, gonna be coming up some point this season. Oh man, there's uh, because the main issue is in my coffee. Like the main issue is, can he hit double A pitching? Okay, looks looks promising. So, yeah, he looks like like he looks he looks promising certainly. Like let's see, uh, what I would expect out of like I want to see out of Lawler is in terms of ridiculous numbers and Amarillo. Uh, through, through June, through June. Okay, like we're like we're doing the same timeline. He's got uh what five game, nine games? Is that where we're at now? And uh, 
Because I know the lower level started a week later, so they should be five games shorter than, uh, or like two, like four games shorter than Reno. So I'm not sure what the difference is, but like I want, he's got another fifty. I want to see another fifty games of him just getting like just tearing through double A's pitching. Let's see him do that. I want to see him take a bunch of walks. I want to see him hit for power. I want to see the stolen bases. Uh, I want to see him at least 50 stolen bases. I think he could do that by the uh, the 59 game mark. I'm just looking at WRC pluses from notable prospects in their double A year that annihilated that level. We're, their def, their numbers are definitely higher than Lawler's because we're talking 170s, 180s, 190s. Yeah. Lawler's just right outside there. Carol Asher was at 166, I think. That's yeah. That's what you want. You want to see like at least somewhere. Talk, yeah. Something. So I, I I would love to see like a one anything above 140, 150. It would be like destroying it if he was in the. Uh, you've seen a few guys pull up like a 200. Like I know Pete Pete Alonzo. Or through AAA and AA. He was putting up ridiculous numbers. I think he was pushing 200 on his WRC Plus. And, uh, yeah. and there, which Alonzo. is like. Alonzo. I'm just saying. Well, he's got broke. Blaze Alexander has a broken thumb. That's what's holding him back right now. <laughs> yeah, he's not going to be able to play. He's out till at least June. Without... And also, James oh, not necessarily in need of shortstop. So with right like now. Lawler, what's holding him back is really like he's just young. He need, he just needs like the reps to like, uh, like do it every day. And there's like you know that's the way baseball works. And with some of it's endurance. It's not necessarily even like, um, it's not even like he's not ready. You want to see him last through a season, see like how his conditioning oh, is, and he's still really young. By the way, Alonzo is 180. Yeah, okay, so 180 in belt. That's what I'm saying. He destroyed it. And that's kind of what you want to see from from Lawler. And I think you want to see his offense improve a little bit more. He definitely uh, can get a little, like, like he definitely has a play discipline to to keep his his walk percentage above, like, at least 10. Lawler doesn't. And Lawler's swing never really gets out of control. So I don't think he'll have a necessarily high swing and miss rate in general like you see yeah. all her swings it's, it is it looks smooth and it's smooth and he's not over swinging unlike another top prospect in double a i think with his throwing arm it's more like a, the rep said like the transferring transferring so, from the glove to the throwing arm and the footwork of to throw make accurate throws to first base like that's really when I see him get sloppy, it's just like because it's, it's, his footwork's a little sloppy. And he's, he just hasn't been the reps. It's like really, it's just the lack of experience. I don't know how to explain it better than that. It, it, the best way to explain George Lawler's defense is he's 20 years old. Yeah. He's, he's 20. It's not going like, to look like Nick Ahmed. Yeah. Like, it's like, same thing with Drew Jones. He's, he's 19. Like, well, Drew, he's a 19-year-old. Outfield defense is easier to get. Yeah, no, I'm saying like with his offense, even though he's a 19 year old in in uh, in a ball, which is actually much tougher than it used to be because there's like a reduction of uh, of the minor leagues. There's it, there's it's actually stronger competition than there used to be like prior to the, the retraction a little bit. And to hold his own 19, like it's gonna take him. Like I wouldn't expect him to. 
Like that's that's like trying like the Diamondbacks have pretty much uh they've lucked out the last couple drafts with with Lawler and uh, with Carroll because right they had laps and they had a they had a win win scenario in twenty two. It's either you were take you're walking away with George, uh, Drew Jones or Jackson Holiday. Yeah, and Jackson Holiday would have been basically left handed Jordan Lawler with a better arm. That's why. That's why he arm. went first. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No. Yeah. Holiday's got like a much more. Uh, I I would say like the thing with Holiday where I take him over. I would have taken him over Lawler if safer I had the profile. choice. He's a safer profile. Absolutely. I Lawler's got. Uh, I I don't I think he's got a higher ceiling than Holiday. Well, ceiling is but, more about the power tool, power tool yeah. defense and base running. Um, um Holiday's going to steal a lot of bases. He's a safe bet. It's really that's really what it comes down to. But Baltimore's been running he, wild this year too, so who knows? Baltimore has been Baltimore is like the Diamondbacks next year in terms of like their base running and everything. Once you get all these guys up here. Uh, it's going to be nuts. Diamondbacks going to be fun to watch with uh, just like the new rules and all these really, really like really, really. I love. Base. Yeah, you got to get on base before <laughs> to steal them. Although you know they should change the rule to allow you to steal home or steal first base. Yeah. That's like a better rule days. than the, any other dumb rules. <laughs> seems like nowadays it seems like only Carol is a. Uh, He's the, the Hispanic Titanic. That's what I expect from him. Ivan Melendez is the Hispanic Titanic. He uh, is kind of like the prototypical uh, first baseman DH. I want to say his bat speed is like really that low. I know he was, like, he was dealing with injuries. If I remember correctly. Yeah. Amarillo took a no hitter in the eighth inning, and then they they won five nothing. Gave up two hits. Nice. Waller had a stolen base. Waller one for four with a steal. I should pull that up. And then Adrian Del Castillo had a home run. Yeah, Del Castillo, here's a guy, like, that's a guy who we didn't even see the real Del Castillo at all because of the broken hand and, uh, you know, just fatigue from the first, that super long, uh, just, it was like the, the college college baseball just goes on forever. So he really didn't have a chance to to recover from all that. And, like, now we're seeing the real Del Castillo. Ivan Melendez, I mean, same thing. He had a really, really long season last year. And a lot of these college guys, I've noticed uh, when their team goes pretty deep into, like, uh, like they make a college World Series, like they're just outside the, you know, just outside that. That's a really long season. And then you're playing in the minors, okay? Like, you don't get a chance to really recover from, you know, I mean, that's a, that's a really big guy. Uh, lengthy season for a lot of guys to go through. And uh, I think if he does, I, I wouldn't write Melendez off at this point. Like he's like, we just drafted him. He needs just some time to recover. And I think give him the season. I don't know about slow bat speed. What do you think, Michael? Well, I'd have to watch as it bats to find out there's bats, the bat speed, but that was the knock on him. Obviously going into the draft was, uh, he can be beat by plus velocity. Yeah, that is true. Um, I you know I think that's uh that's a little little much to to write him off like you know like so many it's like it's a long season like I thought I think a lot of what it really it is some of these guys just don't have the training or the access to uh all the tools available to them like that like a, even like the 
a high draft pick or like you know even a high draft pick like a you know lower draft pick that like him would get um you're gonna have better training tools better nutrition for the most part uh like it's being a college player and being an athlete is uh much more difficult than it looks in terms of like the financial strain and like the strain it has on your body i was gonna say there's a lot of walks he's got uh Melendez is hitting 193 so far in his pro career, but he's got a 352 on base percentage. Maybe just a situation where he's, uh, it's just feeling out what pitches he can hit and whatnot. So, yeah, I, yeah, I, won't, I haven't seen enough of him to, to really knock his bat speed, but like as far as like the scouts saying that, that's pretty much my take. Like, I've talked to a few like college baseball players, and the ones that like teams have succeeded, they say they've loved and told me that's the toughest season they had was going into the minors after going into college world series. And then like, it's a, it's really hard. And like they said, it was the top one of the like, most physically taxing things they've experienced in the game. So that's why I kind of give guys like Melendez in that situation. Like Tim tower, the year like, before. Yeah. The fact that they were called, like, even if sometimes they don't like they're on, they're on a, you know, a, Remember, uh, uh, basically collapse after June offensively. Yeah, call, call it call the call it like being in college as an athlete. Like, yeah, you're there a scholarship, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you have the money. Like, to well, some guys don't have the money to, to to eat enough. That's a lot. A lot of these are big guys. That, like, food's expensive. Like, that's taxing. Um like on you financially and like that, all those things like stresses from like having to study or if they actually care about their studies. And, uh, you know, you go, go down through all the lists of it. Like that's why I kind of write it off. And I think, uh, like we've gone into before, like it's now it's a better situation for a lot of these guys. They're being paid throughout the season. So, um, I want to see like from Melendez, uh, just the, the, the offensive progression, um, Kind of, I want to see similar numbers from that he put up in college is really what I'd like to see from him. Some guys don't make make the trans the, the transition from uh metal or metal bats to wooden bats. It's the hardest transition in sports, honestly. Yeah. Although the metal bat metal bats obviously aren't don't have the same starch as they did ten years ago. By the way, Patino just walked for Hillsboro. Unfortunately, he's got slower runners in front of him. Oh, that's. I don't understand the like. I understand why you put a guy lower in the order if they don't have the on-base percentage. You put a slower guy in front of them, but there are some advantages to the traditional like um, leadoff guy being first in the order or like the bottom of the order. Like you put your fat, you know, you kind of stack it the right way. It makes sense, and you can take advantage of. It. But you got a bunch of slow runners in front of your fastest guys. Like, that never made sense to me. But here's the question. If you have your fast guys on base and you have your power hitters up and, that, and you're not going to run. Yeah. Although there's something to be said that uh, having guys running behind you is super distracting. Yeah. Like it's the most distracting thing ever. Having so a really fast guy. They, Christian Walker's up. Yeah, no, I agree. But like, doesn't, doesn't it lend to uh, the hitters advantage to have the, the pitcher not, hundred percent thinking about what they're thinking, you know, like the task at hand of pitching, like you're not just thinking about pitching the guy you're facing. You're thinking about Corbin Carroll feeling every base behind you 
and then not even mattering. Yeah, as we found out in Paul Goldschmidt's career, bat speed was never an issue. Managed to close off. What he ended up doing was shortening his stroke, and then, of course, Goldschmidt. I think people don't realize how good his bat speed is. Uh, I don't think anyone really saw the the real Paul Goldschmidt when he was drafted. I, I know I, I've talked about it before. You can go on and take it my old article. What's that? The scout that signed Paul Goldschmidt, he said if he could, yeah. he'd give him a 100 makeup grade. I would, too. I would, too. I really like the thing. Why I, I saw his numbers, and then the... Uh, what I, that's, that's what I heard. That's one of the reasons why. Like, there's only one other guy who I, I heard through the grapevine. They're like, oh, Paul, Paul is a really, really great guy. He's got the best makeup I've ever seen. Okay? Um, and that, along with his numbers the first, like, year and a half of the minors, yeah. um, that's why I was a believer. Well, there were definitely some holes in his numbers when he came out of Azalea, which was high at the time. There was yeah, a high strikeout out. rate, and he hit a lot... It, got beat inside and then obviously there was his defense still needed work year and then by the time he got out of double a it's like oh never mind and goldschmidt would have been a top 30 prospect probably entering 2012 unfortunately rookie eligibility got exhausted because the d-backs were going on a yeah. season run well i mean the biggest thing with gold like i think a guy like goldie is if it's like one or two things and they're otherwise like a fantastic prospect. Like they got everything else you're looking for. Like they can, they, you know, and they're all obviously they're putting up good numbers too. Like, and they have that, like a good makeup. Like I'm going to believe in them. I'm going to believe that that guy can do anything. If he like really has the, that work ethic and the belief in himself and like everything else that you're looking for, like that falls under makeup, you're going to, he's going to succeed. There's just some guy like Carol's one of those guys. Like, he's got everything you look for. But there's no way you and Carol Carol had a bad debut. He would have worked through it, and uh, you know, God, I'm like in the minors. I'm saying he like you know, guy like I mean, look, he got shoulder his shoulder just gave out on him. Like not even like, you know. So that's the kind of thing you're looking his at. Shoulder part. Yeah, yeah, a violent swing ripped his shoulder. I couldn't put it better. Uh, that's the kind of like makeup you see, like the way a guy recovers from that. If he didn't have the makeup that he has, that might have been it. That's why they gave him 111 million dollars. Like he's working on it when he even can't, when he can't do anything. A lot of guys would be like, "Okay, well, I'll be go sit at home." Okay, so he goes to bed thinking about what he can do to improve this organization. I don't think that's just hyperbole, either. Yeah, that's actually totally hundred. Like, yeah, every single guy I've talked to in the like who's like in minor leagues played like college sports, and then, you know, and then, like, and they're, like, they've all said, like, they, they eat tremendous quality, quantity of food. Like, if I'm trying, if I'm working out, you understand, like, I'm six, I'm almost six, seven. I weigh, like, two, two, thirty when I'm, like, out of shape, and I'm, like, thin. Uh, if I work out, like, I gotta eat, like, 4,000 to 8,000 calories a day, depending on how much exercise I'm getting. Like, that's the kind of thing that you're, like, looking at with some of these guys. Like, they're big dudes. Yeah, they're much closer to your size than mine. <laughs> Obviously, I could. Yeah, no, I couldn't like. I could. I, I yeah, I like my. I would have 
ate my, my, my parents out of the house and home. And like, I could barely, like every time I've worked out, it's very hard to feed myself. So like, I can imagine, um, that's a big, that's why I say it's a big aspect that people don't even think about is like, these dudes have to feed themselves. That's why I'm just so like opposed to the conditions and the minors of like, Oh, Hey, let's not pay the guys. Like, Oh, they can't afford to feed themselves. Like that's literally what some of them, like that's why they give a baseball is like, they can't afford to feed themselves. And, um, and as a, as a, wired from the yeah. ballpark. I mean, it depends on, it depends on the kind of, uh, I mean like otherwise you still got to eat. Um, unless you're doing like a meal day or whatever, and uh, some there's like Moreno, I guess was the I guess the worst of the owners in terms of like eating his players, and like that's that plays a big factor. If you're they're not getting good nutrition, they're not going to put up good good numbers. Period. Yeah, they're not going to perform as hoped. Kind of thing. Yeah, so I think like that that we actually might see some guys who might otherwise have not. You know, they might get, I think that might be the factor that we're in, like really going to see moving forward where the conditions aren't as hard. You, you don't necessarily want to write off a guy like uh, Melendez or uh, Adrian Del Castillo or Ryan Bliss. That's a great example. People are writing off Ryan Bliss. These guys and, uh, you're talking about guys that made a million dollars out of the draft, too. Yeah, make, yeah, guys who made a million dollars. And they still, you understand, um, like everything's expensive for them too. Like that's really not that much money, especially if you're like, um, in an area like I, I know back east can be more expensive. Like if you're playing the West Coast, daily is actually really hard to, like, afford rent there. It's like in the Coachella Valley area. Uh, California's expensive. Oregon's expensive. Um, Texas is a little better, but pricing in like Amarillo, that kind of area, like something smaller, they're going up too. So. You know, like that's not a factor anymore. You gotta worry about the conditions anymore. Um, don't know if there's a program in place, but I think there are families that can host minor league play, that host minor league players in their houses, kind of thing. Oh yeah, no, there's Kansas City has that. I know about Granky. I think Seattle does it because I've heard a story about Cattell Marte doing having that being the yeah. case for Cattell Marte. I was gonna say Seattle's another another one I know that does that. Um, so I mean, it depends on the teams, really. But yeah, they 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 do try to do that. I've talked to a few minor league coast families, and that's that's a lot of where I'm coming from. Is like uh, they shouldn't need that. It's a business. You want the best employees. You want the best productivity. You want your team to win. Give the players the tools to do so. Like basic should be basic common sense. Like in terms of running a baseball team. I don't. If I ever win, win the lottery, Michael, I will buy the Diamondbacks out from under Ken Kendrick, and I will make them into the, like billion the, dollars. They will be the they will be the Tampa Bay Rays of the West. Okay, like we'll make tons of money off, and I'll actually give them a good salary. <laughs> That's the thing. I won't, I won't be afraid to spend money. Like honestly, I would love to have anyone under Kendrick because it's literally like the questions that we we talk about. Like it's it's up to him, and like. I think like we're at like sunk cost fallacy point here on some of these things, Michael. Like, uh, Madison Bumgarner is sunk cost the fallacy contract. Like, it's literally that that whole thing as like a concept. One good example: it's Madison Bumgarner's contract, sunk cost fallacy from the very beginning. You want to get into the uh, Reno bad ball data? Yeah, yeah, let's do that. All right, so fortunately we have StatCast data. 
data for most of the batted balls. And I say most because we don't have all of them because we have some missing batted balls from today's game. I'll double check, but I'll pull it up. Hold on, because I got somebody's got to compile it because nobody does. Somebody's got to compile it, and unfortunately, MLB has baseball's font is not ones doing it. So, yeah, so a bit of a, a little bit of an introduction, obviously. Um, actually, I don't think I can pull this up. I don't know if I'm gonna be able to pull this up on screen. I have it in my text, so I can't. I might be able to pull it up. Share, so I can't oh, know I if can't I can do share it. Screen. Let's do it. They do it. Share. All right. So this is so this is not la. This could be better. Oh. No. Oops. You just full screen that. Just full screen the thing. You can. I don't know if you can sail. Yeah, there you go. So you do it. I don't know how. Re- uh for those watching on YouTube, I don't know how legible this is. Let me see it. We'll take a look. Uh, if you full screen it, you can see it. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's legible. Well, those that might not be uh, able to see the stream. So I have here, here we go. all data for Dominic Fletcher, Dominic Canzone, Blaze Alexander, Jorge Burroughs, and Buddy Kennedy. I'm going with the top five prospects. Oh, top five prospects. Triple A. So I got batted ball data here. We're gonna we're gonna stay on this page, obviously. Zoom in because we can. All right, that should help. My so dogs are working, so I'm gonna address that real quick. Right. Yeah. So bet. So we'll slide over. And then obviously the uh, not every batted ball data. So we have uh, average exit velocity, launch angle, hard hit rate, which is 95 plus exit velocity. Barrels, both on a batted ball standpoint and uh, plate appearance, max exit velocity. And uh, exit velocity on fly balls, line drives, because that's your that's the type of contact that you're gonna get do the damage on. Home runs as a result of fly ball line drive contact, because I can't seem to isolate them because there are there are line drive home runs. So we're not going to uh, isolate it. We're not going to uh, inflate with the home run to fly ball ratio. And then balls in play, average, which is not as important in the. To my best estimation, ground ball, line drives, fly ball, pop-up rates. So if we go... So if you're listening to this later on, so the highest exit velocity goes to Dominic Fletcher at 88 miles per hour, which is just below the Major League average. Double-check the Major League average, which is... Okay, the Major League average is 88.4 miles per hour you want to compare and then Fletcher obviously launching Fletcher Kennedy and 
Canzone all have a launch angle of plus ten of uh plus ten or better. But then when you look at the uh meaningful contact race uh contact numbers, hard hit barrels, Blaze Alexander has the highest, obviously, although the fewest balls in play due to the result of the injury. Perhaps why the exit velocity and launch angle don't seem to match up the other numbers. Geez, can, you pull, can you pull up Buddy? Let's go with Buddy Kennedy first because he has a nice breakout. Pull up just his his game by game numbers. Okay, so I think that plays a much better picture of like what what you're working with going to the, through their, you know, like the, each player's one. Let's zoom out for those that are watch, watching. So this is how I, this is how I track it. I just track every plate appearance, and if there's exit velocity data, I plug it in. On the spreadsheet, in the bad ball type, I kind of guess based on the launching. These line, are those not perfect. These are those spreadsheets I was talking about that I need my fix on. Michael hooks it up, so you can see if you can see on here. I have the games, plate appearances, at bats, the balls in play, walk rate, strikeout rate, and all those fun stuff. So if you kind of look, you kind of look at Kennedy's numbers right here. That's a degree sign, by the way. If next to the average launch angle. I think he's had, like, honestly, out of, out of the players there. Like, Barossa is a very small sample size because he's just uh, activated off the DL. But uh, Kennedy is not making – he doesn't hit the ball very hard. And you can't – like, he is not – he's making the worst contact out of all the players. He's getting – it seems like he's uh, regressing a little bit to the, to, to the mean now. He's not as quite as hot as he was. I would still say the weakest bad ball profile probably belongs to Barroso, obviously, but Barroso is the weakest hitter of the five. Absolutely. From a scouting report reputation, he's more of a. F- but also, Kennedy has a high bad average on balls of play because of a line drive rate. Same thing with yeah. Alexander. Kennedy's got, in my estimation, a 32.5% line drive rate. You can fact, fact check it against Fangrass. I might be off by maybe one or two. It's still Animals. small sample size, so that's something, like until we have like more to work with. Obviously, like something might be slightly off. Fangraphs is like it's literally the difference of like a different calculator or like very slight differences that I wouldn't worry about at this point. But it's good good way to look at uh, like especially since we can't watch all these guys like every single at bat necessarily. Uh, this is a much better way to like really. And it may, this makes it easier to understand what's going on with each hitter if they're if they're doing what you want them to do, like what you want to see in like the scouting profile. Yeah, so we're pulling up can here's I'm pulling up can zones as an example because can zone obviously the surface batting numbers on balls in play certainly isn't great, but he has a high, but can zone has a high barrel rate, ten point nine percent. So can zone's the type of guy that. When he elevates, he makes meaningful contact when he elevates the ball. As evidenced by also the highest fly ball line drive exit velocity. And the highest home run, the fly ball line drive ratio. Yeah. I mean, I can't, out of all these guys, like, that are the real candidate, like, Blaze Alexander probably will not, uh, unless there's an injury to, to Ahmed, uh, or Perdomo, really don't see him getting. Get, I don't see them calling calling him up. Kennedy, 
has a weird kind of profile where it's like, where do you play him? Same thing. But like, out of the, if you want to look at outfielders and it's like McCarthy's struggling, uh, Canton's not really an outfielder. He like, I think Fletcher's catching. I think the, the Canton's been better than Fletcher, but he seems to be kind of catching up to him last game or two. Still small sample size. Um, I think Fletcher would be probably be better. Still the better candidate. I feel like Fletcher's still. Up. Yeah, Fletcher's the better candidate because you're not losing much defensively from McCarthy to. Yeah. McCarthy or Thomas to Fletcher versus Canzone. Canzone's, uh, I guess you could say another, a similar profile of Pavin Smith. Yeah. That's, that's a, yeah, I could, yeah, I think. Oh, well, you're saying Fletcher to, to, to Smith or to Canzone? I'm saying it with Canzone. Canzone's a similar. Yeah, no, yeah, Smith. that's, yeah. Yeah, that's a similar. I, I, yeah, I could see that. Like, they really do have a that weird. I, I like. Hey, yeah, Haven really just does have an inter- interesting profile. Um, that it's guys. an interest. It, it's he just it's a unique thing that you don't really see associated with the position. He's kind of tweener between being like you know first baseman outfielder. No, I don't think he's a tweener. I think he's a first baseman that's just blocked by a better one. Yeah. Oh well, yeah, certainly. Uh, that's really but even that's if a he wasn't blocked by Walker Smith, a platoon, probably mostly a platoon guy. He doesn't see the ball well against left-handed pitchers at all. Like picking it up is just yeah. hard. Yeah, that's very that that's very clear. That's the issue with with Smith at this point. He just doesn't. Uh, he's a platoon player at this point. He's uh, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. Like he can provide a useful. Um. He that's a useful thing to have around. All right, and Canzone, it's like he's basically the same kind of guy. I I don't know if he like he's not like you have his splits. Uh, like splits. his numbers, like left, yeah, like left-handed versus right-handed platoon. Which player? Platoon for, for Canzone. Canzone. I don't um, I don't have it on like the just, spreadsheet. There's no left. There are no platoon splits on the spreadsheet. No, we can no I'm just saying like, yeah, it's pulled up. That is pulled up from like baseball reference. I'm curious. Right. The thing is, is like if he's similar that that similar player, then uh, I wonder if that's evidence in his stats and his platoon split over the the minor leagues. And you might as well pull it up on screen. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we'll pull that up real quick. Let me see. I can. All right. Pull it up. There we go. So yeah, we'll pull it up here. So there's Canzone's split uh split numbers. Where? Why can't I find Oh. Alright, so I'm gonna zoom in here, but Canzone so far this year this is this year he's only had thirteen plate appearances against lefties hitting is four for twelve with a home a triple and a home run, but let's pull up last year's splits. I wish they had it more easily. Like you could just pull career and that sort of stuff easier. All right, so let's get the last year's splits. Just highlighting it for the sake of highlighting it. So he actually hit three sixteen, three seventy six, five thirty five. 
with six of his 22 home runs against lefties and 125 play appearances. But I also have to caution Reno prop. Oh, sorry. So Reno might, you might not necessarily get the best platoons, best reading on platoon splits in Reno because. Okay. So because sometimes the ball doesn't break. So instead of a slider that might put him out in the big leagues, it's a hanging nothing ball. But the strikeout to walk ratio is twenty eight to eight. It's not really like he doesn't really have that strong platoon split, honestly. Like that's uh Paven kinda had a little more obvious entirely. The thing is like the thing with Canzone and Fletcher that's intrigued me all along with the two of them is that they're much better they've kind of been written off as prospects from the very beginning when both of them clearly can hit. You know, like I don't I mean, Fletcher had that down year, certainly, but he came back strong. And then, uh, I mean, these guys all have dealt with COVID, like COVID seasons. So scouting has been bad for the last, like, few years. Um, it's just interesting that they've both been, like, kind of written off from the beginning. To me. But they're both blocked, so that's really <laughs> the problem here. I was going to say, Fletcher probably would have ha- Fletcher might have actually had a shot at making the big league roster if they was- the outfield wasn't already set coming in. Yeah, honestly, that's the thing. It's like if he was any other team that didn't have an outfield as good, he would be uh, probably the best defender, uh, actually, at least from my eyes, uh, at least league average, better than, you know, a lot of, like, you know, throw him on the Nationals, better than most guys, like the Royals. Um, he would be making the opening day roster. Like I don't, know about wa- I don't know about Washington, but, yeah, certainly the team that's not necessarily looking – Team that's looking to evaluate their forty-man uh, roster, I think you'd have a much bigger chance. Although we don't know, it, like I said, uh, Fletcher could come up if Thomas or McCarthy continues to struggle, and they need to. Yeah, I could, I could see that. Jump start the line, bring up someone that's swinging the bat well from Reno. Yeah, certainly. I mean, that's really like what I, I would expect. But I mean, we're still like so early in this season that it's not, I, uh, like. I I could see Jake McCarthy going on a hot streak by the end of the month. You know, this is not even a, it's laughable that we have this conversation. Or you know, one of these guys may not do so well, and like they call up someone else. Like I don't I don't necessarily think like Thomas, uh, the bat struggles are like when do you think they're their concern for you or like or McCarthy. Uh, if you see Thomas pulling off the ball too much is when you're going to notice the stru- pulling off the ball instead of staying in the home plate, which I, that's what I would look for with Thomas. But with McCarthy, I think it's a case of just getting on time more. Yeah. I mean, but like, I mean, so like how, how many, like, what's a date like where you're like, okay, well, this has been, this has gone on long enough. Time to send one of them down. Probably who do you, another- who do you, like Two, three weeks. When do you middle. do that? So, like the end, the, the end of middle of May. Um, you can pull us both up on the on the, the stream now. Um, yeah, middle of May is when I think team might start getting impatient if a guy is struggling. And yeah, there's no I underlying. Could... There's no underlying thing highlighting potential improvement in performance. I don't think Thomas has that issue. Like I said, his exit velocity and hard hit rate are way up. Yeah. 
McCar- I guess even sending down McCarthy if you just put it together, maybe like yeah, middle of May, maybe like say about the tenth, tenth or fifteenth, probably something in there. You know, second week, second third week of May. They haven't figured it out by then. You know, they're struggling. I could, I could see them doing that. Um, who do you call up? What like if you're going to call up one of the Dominics, you call Fletcher because he's on the forty man roster I think already. Take, yeah, Fletcher because one he's on the forty man roster too, a better defender. Like I said, um, team's going to take up the better defender, especially since the difference in the bat between the two outfielders isn't so different. Although I think Canzone has a higher ceiling because of the more likely to tap into his power, tap into whatever raw power he has. Yeah, I, I, I mean, here's the thing: is if you're sending down Thomas, I would call up Fletcher because he's a better defender. He can actually play center if you need him to. Um. If you're calling up, uh, if you're sending out McCarthy, then I'd probably call up Canzone just because he's a better fit. Uh, like, it's, you know, shifting things around that way, you know? I don't think the ability to play center field would be too impactful on that decision because if you'd send down Thomas, worst thing that happens is Tom is yeah, a center fielder. I'm just, yeah, I'm just saying you know, the, the outfield defense has been. Uh, like you know, it's like an asset. Like it's, I mean, really. So the core part of the team is like you know success. So like I'd want to have a guy who's just. I mean, if, if it's the bats are roughly the same, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with uh, Fletcher over Canzone just because he's you know not as much of a downgrade. Uh, you know, in terms of the outfield defense in overall sense, you know, not necessarily to have him play. Not necessarily to have Fletcher play center field because. Yeah, you're going to put Corbin Carroll in center over uh, Dominic Fletcher. Yeah, Fletcher would play a lot more left field if you were called up because they're, well, actually, if replacing McCarthy, you'd be playing right field. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Thomas, you'd be playing right. Yeah, so, um, yeah, as I said, it depends on who you're, you're, like, you're really replacing. I I don't know. Um, Yeah, I would, I mean, and Fletcher's on the 40-man roster anyway, so I think he's, he's get the priority there. Um, Trying to think of like what else we can go over over the last. Uh, did we miss a guy on our prospects? I don't think we did. I mean, if you wanted to talk, well, we already kind of covered. We kind of segged into Dominic Fletcher's debut. So, yeah, want to talk about what you've seen so far from Jamison Nelson. Wanted to close out with that. Um, Jamison, I think I think the start the other day was just like. Uh, I think some of the circumstance, to some extent, of just like having to go from bullpen to the rotation and like that kind of just like back and forth that screws with the guy a little bit. Um, you know, he might just getting a little, uh, needs a little, you know, it's just a bad start, if anything. I think uh, that was the Nelson, Nelson's impressed. He's really impressed me so far. Like, I think the, the team's done well to. Pick him as the. This shouldn't even. We shouldn't be in this position. Like both of them should have gotten from the beginning. But Nelson has been done very well as the team's, you know, initial uh, starting pitcher out of the guys we talked about. I feel like Nelson starts have been more workmanlike as opposed to uh, what we saw last year, where he was blowing guys away. Yeah, that's what I like about it. Is it's not. Uh, he's not going on pure stuff anymore. Like he's not like, oh my god, look at me, I'm. I throw, I throw super hard to guys. He's like showing us he's like an actual pitcher. He's like really working uh, that like methodically to get guys out. And I really like the, he seems to take full advantage of the pitch clock 
to, you know, like he's used to it, doesn't even bother him, which makes sense, like we've talked about. Um, I think if Jameson was, was the starter from the beginning, we, he would then, like, we would be talking about Jay Jameson. And I think we just need to give him a couple more starts before he really, like, clicks in the rotation. Well, he's got to stretch out first, but I think, like I said, yesterday's start, I think it was the first time he really didn't have his slider working. Oh, I know who we talked about. Tommy Henry. That's the one guy. Do we see Tommy Henry this up on Monday against Kansas City? That's the million-dollar question. Are we, are, Madison Bumgarner is going to have a mysterious uh, injury bereavement bereavement list. Someone mysteriously is going to die next to him. Gonna have, go, gonna go on the bereavement him. list. I wouldn't be surprised they put him on the IL for some like so, for sore he, arm. Sore arm fatigue. Yeah, that see basically that. reads the sword arm. I'm going to say no. We're going to get another Madison Baumgartner start. And, and everyone who follows the Diamondbacks and the fan is going to have a little less hair. I mean, it, I think when you're at the point where Gambo's calling, Gambo's making a yeah. rant about it on the radio, I think that's when. Yeah, when I when I see I his when tweets on Twitter, point. when I see his tweets on Twitter, I don't even, I don't think I I think I just started following him. That's how I know, like I wasn't following him, and then like I was like, oh, he's shit talking Madison Bumgarner, I guess. <laughs> but like the fact that he got that many tweets, like he's like popped up in my feed. Uh, yeah, no, we're at the boiling over point. I we're already at two limo tweets. I don't I don't I don't, I don't know if he's gonna be. Like people are talking about, it's gonna be like his final. Was that his final start as a Diamondback? And no, I don't, I don't think so. But it'll certainly. Be I don't think his so. Final start in a while. Yeah, he's gonna be. Uh, I wonder if it's like a maybe like a COVID fatigue issue going on with him. COVID now. Like, did he ever have COVID? Did, was he vaccinated? Do you have any idea? That's not well. His vaccination stats not my business, but Has he I don't think he's Canada? ever been on the aisle as a result of it. Yeah, I don't think he has, but like, I wonder. It's a thing that's now that we really like. Like, I've seen a lot of people like had COVID infections have really bad fatigue. Like, it basically sounds like chronic fatigue syndrome, and um, that's my biggest concern with some. Like, I know like a lot of athletes for some reason like don't want to get vaccinated. Whatever, that's your personal opinion. You know, whatever your, your personal choice. But if you get COVID, uh, it can cause like a chronic fatigue syndrome, and like that's that's a concern. I wonder if like me, that's. Uh, Maybe that's like a factor. I don't, I, I, I don't even know. Um, you were saying he had a lot of mileage on his arm earlier. Yeah, he's got a lot of mileage on his arm. And I think it's like uh, the only like trio of starting pitchers that I can think of that like had that much put on them and like had like a similar uh, end result was uh, the Cubs with Pryor, Wood, and Zambrano. Yeah, yeah the, well, Zambrano held up. The other two broke. Yeah, the other two broke. Okay, and then uh, Heron, uh, the trio that when Heron was on the A's, actually, uh, some of the the D bats like uh, him and Webb both just like fell apart, and it's a similar like thing where like I think he's a similar body just doesn't have anymore. Like Timmy, Timmy lost it. There's a certain point where like Timmy hung it up. Hey. There you go. I don't know how your relationship is with Timmy. Small guy threw hard through max you know, effort. Like, you know, hey, Timmy knew when to hang it up. That's my Miles, attitude. His last four seasons weren't so great. Yeah. Well, that's where we're at. 
how many more seasons is it going to take for him to like be like, uh, you know, I don't know if I can handle the the shit talking that I get in public anymore. And that's really what it's going to come to. And I don't want to see it come to that point where like people like are like, I never want like, don't harass baseball players. Don't do that. Like they're just doing their job. Um, But I mean, if he's going to continue playing and being awful, like that's kind of expected. So you have to know to hang it up. I was going to say, I don't think Bumgarner cares what other people think. I no, one reason he hangs up is he just, uh, he has too much pride. A guy that, Literally carried the Giants for two postseason runs. Yeah, uh, twenty twelve and twenty fourteen. Like he yeah. put the team on his back in fourteen. I mean, he's he's a legend. Like I actually like the, the my friend was saying like the one thing he's a Royals fan. He's like, uh, fuck Madison Bumgarner. Like uh, he killed my Royals. They could have had two World Series and uh, back to back. They could have back to back if it weren't for Mad Bum. So fuck him. And you know what? I don't feel that way, Madison. But that's how Royals fans feel about him. And so I don't like, I don't want to, I, I just say, I don't, this might be his last season. Is actually what I, th- I think he might pitch next spring. He probably might finish out his contract. I think that's just he's done after this contract either way. Because I know he wants to get paid. Well, he's getting, he's getting that money no matter what. Yeah, no matter what. Unless he retires before it's up. I don't know so. how retirement works. From what I understand, if a player, unless he's medically like medically retired, um, you don't get paid if you're just like I'm done. Like, I don't think players union might, might. I know you, you still get benefits and a whole bunch of other stuff, but like you as still far get as deferred like, money, you get deferred money and all that. We just so forfeit salary then. He'd be forfeit his salary. Um, so I don't know what how that work out. I know like a bunch of the the money on it's deferred, so. I don't know. Like, I, I think we won't see him next week for sure. Might not see him for the start after that. I hope to God I don't see him on my birthday on the seventh. Like, that's that's my one one present I want. If they put him on the IL, he's out for at least fifteen days. Uh, he just missed that. He just missed that that day. I think so. Um, either way, could Diamondbacks please give me like a Brandon Brandon Fott uh start debut or I don't know. They're gonna call Give me some goal. Yeah, I know. Henry's on the spot's on the forty man, right? No, but it wouldn't. No, he's not. If you put Bumgarner in the IL, then you would need to make a forty man move. Yeah, yeah, but no, it's like even like having if you anyone DFA'd other than Bumgarner. Yeah, yeah, it wouldn't be a problem. They would have to make a corresponding move for that. The one thing that people forget about is like you can't. And these guys aren't in the 40 man roster. Um, you, they have to make a corresponding move to do anything about it. And like that requires either like getting rid of a guy or like people talk about like, getting rid of guys in their bullpen. Like who are you going to replace? How are you, you going to replace in the bullpen? Like who are you going to call up for him? Like, oh, call, like who? Like, I don't know what they're going to do when, they, when people talk about that. On the like, you don't have, would probably go with a yeah, nine man bullpen until they need another starter. Yeah, that would make sense. Um, who will you call? Who do you call up to pitch in the bullpen? Call someone up. Well, if it's an injury, That's they can the, call up anybody. No, I'm just saying. Who, who do you personally would you call up from the minors right now? They don't have very good options in Reno. They don't at all. So who do you who do you call up? That's the question. Like Vargas, that there's a problem up here. Martinez can't throw it anywhere near the plate. Same thing with Stumpo. 
Yeah, Stumpo is... Uh, and then Luis Frias obviously hasn't thrown the ball anywhere near the plate in the big league level. Yeah, that's that's true. So there's really not a lot of make options. Jump. So I think you would call up... you probably call up Frias because he's the least awful option of the four. Yeah, probably. Maybe Vargas that's... if you want to give him another trial. I give Vargas another shot, probably. It's a, you know, I... I think Vargas had a game where he gave up four... Uh, four runs in an inning. The weather is so wacky in 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 like baseball, like like parts of this country. Like I, I don't even know what to think of any of these like statistics and like it's extra small sample size. It's like yeah. two games has who, a, know, who knows? Score starting in four runs. Another four four run inning. God. So let's check in with the minor leagues and wrap it up and see where we're at. Because we've been talking about them, whatever the games have been played in previous podcasts. But they should be all almost done. Hey. Yeah. I mean, Actually, I part. think what was it? I had the. Uh... Okay, so it's still a stalemate game through five innings. So apparently. Being gifted three base runners wasn't enough for Hillsborough to score today. Alright, so Vizalia's up 4-2 on Stockton. Reno won today, 7-1. Blake Wilson had more wins than strikeouts today. And Bryce Jarvis won, had another second straight score starting with eight strikeouts. Here's the guy's appearance of my dog. Drew Jones won for two with a walk and a run scored. Oh, no, stop it. Yeah, says my dog, Missy. He says hello. Yeah, so it's still early. Um, Scott, wait and see. I don't like, like they're not, they're not going to call up any, like, I mean, um, yeah, we're still it's, it's, it's still early for all of this, you know. The Diamondbacks, the fact that we're we're uh, so we're, we're twelve and eight, if I remember correctly, eleven and eight. I think. Eleven, uh, eleven and eight, 11 which eight, is five uh, on the road and five and two at home. Yeah, that's not that's not that's like that, that's fantastic. It's like everything we expected, and the other NLS teams have gone off a terrible start. The Rockies are extra awful. Uh, the Giants have finally, like, their juju with the free agency has run out, like I would say. I don't think San Francisco uh, was ever a big destination to begin with. Well, yeah. It's, uh, it's, I just, uh, they just missed out on a lot of guys. And I think a lot of it is, like, one, is it's San Francisco's it's be- expensive play-in. It's expensive also, to live there. The- in the case of both Judge and Turner, their preferred their preferred destination gave them a competitive offer. Yeah, Judge wanted to stay in New York. I f- it always felt that way. And then Turner and I think Correa, the East Coast. Uh, Correa, Correa was cold feet they, they, on the physical. Yeah, they got cold feet. That's exactly what I was going to say. They they could have they could have signed him. Uh, Correa has been good so far. I I really. Would love to see the medicals on the guy's ankle because it sounds like 
I guess it's it's a it's a, you know talk about it is like kind of questionable in the first place. We don't know, but uh, it's it sounds like a situation where it's like worried about bone degeneration and uh, like arthritis in the joint uh, or like the whatever plate he has failing is like really. I could see like from that it's like talking to to doctors. They're like, oh, it's probably just. Uh, like a degenerative, like they, they're, they're worried about potential degeneration with having a metal plate in the ankle. Which there's some apparently there's a school of doctors that are really they they really are not uh, enthusiastic about it, like the long term prognosis of metal implant. It's really what it comes down to. And it's much worse when you look at a 12 year deal versus I think whatever deal he eventually signed with Minnesota. I think it's like eight or six, something like that. Six years, two hundred million. Yeah, so San Francisco got. I understand why they got cold feet, but they could come back to the table with them and got given them seven or something like that. I don't understand that. I think it was because. I think it was because well, they'd also gotten an offer from the uh, similar offer from the Mets, and then they backed out for the same reason. Yeah. Oh, he has the Mets. I forgot. Yeah, I think at that point, was like screw it. Metal. Screw it. Yeah. And so then, you, the tw- he, and then the twins jumped in because it's like okay. We're pretty comfortable with, you know, we know that your price point's going to come down because the two big market teams decided to shut. They're like, hey, we'll go six. And then they're like, okay, he's like, sure, whatever. I'll, I'll try to stay healthy through all that. So I get another contract. Pretty much what it comes down to with him. And, you know, Giants is, I I think they, it's, it's more circumstance than San Francisco being a bad, I mean, it's a cool city to live in if you've got money. And certainly if you're driving there in a free agency contract, they're, but their juju didn't work this year. That's my point. They've been really lucky with some of their fringy free agent signing. Like they signed Hanager, and Hanager, like he, we, we know him. Okay, like he's a good hitter. Never been the question. He's just not healthy. He can't stay healthy. He's just one of those guys that he's just never healthy. I don't even know how many. I don't even know how many at bats he's had in the last three years. I think it's like less than a full season's worth. I think it was one full season with, he with Seattle for the Giants yet this year. Yeah, I know. So, like, I mean, he just can't stay healthy. So, since, um, all right. So, last two years, he has nine hundred thirty-eight plate appearances, six ninety-one in twenty twenty-one, and then two forty-seven last year. That's okay. This year. But he's always been on and off the, the the DL. Like, it's just like he's. It seems like he's constantly on every time. <laughs> hear about Mitch Hanniger because he's injured, so I'm not surprised at all. He hasn't had a bat. Uh, if he comes back healthy, certainly San Francisco's more of a threat. Colorado's, we can write him off. I mean, it's like other than, like, Chris Bryant might, you know, have it back a little bit, but it's still it's not, even if he does become prime Chris Bryant again, the Rockies aren't going to be a threat. The Dodgers will be good later this season. Yeah, they'll um, probably trade for a shortstop. Yeah, I see that, I think that the Dodgers becoming better as the season progresses. Because really their one hole is they need to just they really just need a, a shortstop who's uh you know like a, on the end of a free agency deal, really what they need. Um if not like you know young trending younger like they usually would I mean they'd be fine with like uh trading a guy in a contract here. Uh the Padres it's weird that Juan Soto has like yeah. turned into Jason Hayward. Yeah and then Fernando Tatis is coming back tomorrow. So they're going to, oh, gonna so the they'll end. be better. Yeah. They certainly, I kind of makes up for the losses of Soto, um, I, of not being his like prime 
and they've also had lost Musgrove, and they've had they've had injuries. So, um, what do you think of Juan Soto being uh, not good since the Padres have required him? There's too much going on up here. Mm, that's a fair assessment. I think so. I think he's trying. Uh, I think he's trying to prove that he's worth four hundred forty million, or that, or uh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I don't. Mean, maybe it's like I don't think it's money a, was the reason he turned down that offer from the Nationals. I wouldn't want to stay there. Like, there's no, there's no, uh, there was no certainty to the situation in in, in uh, Washington for him. And like, I wouldn't want to stay if I was in this situation. I think part of the thing that we don't think about with San Diego's clubhouse is there's a lot of personalities going on. there. <laughs> that lineup is fantastic, but there's some really strong personalities on that team. I would not be surprised if like Manning Machado does not get along with Juan Soto. I mean, they got a thing going where like, Oh, I'm better than you. No, I'm better than you. And that does happen. And I think it's clubhouse politics. It's actually like Dick playing contest. a part of it. It's a, yeah, absolutely. There's that lineup. Would you be surprised if they like none of them got along or like what would be more surprising? If they all got along great or they none of them did. Like, what's less surprising to you? I'd be actually kind of terrified of a clubhouse that all got along. Yeah, but it just seems like the team like it's, it's got some. But like most of the guys in that clubhouse that are good guys are like they're all they all speak they're all the Spanish speaking guys, okay? And there are like the, there's always the click between the the primarily. Spanish speaking players and the English primarily you know speaking players and all the really good guys on that team happen to speak Spanish and I just like see like the the personality of of each of the players and I just don't think they get along. I think that the San Diego's got rotten clubhouse chemistry and um I think that one of the things that's a really good advantage of the Dimax is they got great clubhouse chemistry this year. A big improvement. So Fingers crossed, Dimebacks first place. I think it's a good. They're gonna need. Uh, a, they're gonna need some help to get there. They're they're gonna need to. I would not be surprised if some of the players that like one of the players we've talked about this, you know, over the course of this podcast is uh, traded at the deadline. Yeah, I can see a situation where that happens, where they trade an outfielder for pitching. That's the most obvious move for the Dimebacks to make would be. Uh, tap into the 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 Wilder Patinos, the Jorge Perosa, Dominic Fletcher, Dominic Canzone. Um, there's a few other. Like, I'm trying. I'm blanking on some Caleb. Uh, Caleb Roberts. I don't like, think Roberts gets you much in the trade, though. Yeah, but he's he's like if he's tearing it up and he's turning around. Like he's really not that bad of a player. Like I could see like guys like that we've talked about. Of course, this podcast. Dimax are going to tap into that depth. They're not going to trade Jones or Lawler or uh, or Fott or (laughs) Walson. Maybe starting pitching depth. Yeah, I don't see them ever doing that at this point. Maybe maybe Bryce Jarvis. Nah, not after two consecutive shutouts, scoreless starts. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't see them doing that. But like, um, I mean, certainly it's the outfield depth that's very important with it. Um, It depends on who becomes available. Because yeah, they probably, absolutely. They probably trade for, like I said, trade for star. They probably need help in the back end of the bullpen. Well, I mean, certainly we're, we're much likely, we're much more likely to see like uh, outfield depth traded for bullpen depth or starting, you know, like to, I can see like a, a surplus 
the surplus uh, kind of trade there in terms of like a major league level. Like, I mean, as far as, far as bullpen, it's much easier to, to, to get a flyer on a bullpen arm than it is to get starting pitching depth. It'll always be that case. Uh, yeah, especially so since I, it's team starting pitching depth is going to look a little bit better in the second half. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, once we they hopefully clean house or uh, things get figured out, uh, it's going to look a lot better. And uh, I think that's like, that's much more likely. To, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if we see that kind of move. Like that's like, we are there. We saw that a lot. The, the, the exact move I'm thinking of is um, who did they trade for? Uh, I don't know. One of the guy, one of the arms that we got, they traded for. I forget which guy it was. Uh, Castro or Vargas or Vargas. Uh, yeah, Vargas. Like that kind of flyer kind of trade. Um, that's what I'm talking about. So. Wrap it up here tonight. Thanks everyone for uh, watching or listening in. Like I said we're right. Uh, we typically do our podcast every Monday evening. Although, uh, depending on circumstances for next Monday's home game, we might have to uh, reschedule next week's podcast. I'm covering. No, game, we'll be back. Do it. Sometime next week, we'll be back. So. Um... Please like and subscribe, leave comments, uh, share it if you can. You know a Dimebacks fan, and uh, we'll see you guys next week.